Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hi, this is Brian, and we're back with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, where we do have three lines available. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Talk about the landscape, your dreams, your nightmares, and uh, anything in between. And uh, if you have some fun, you know, things that we're doing for the 4th of July we need to be informed about, please inform us. And if you know a lot about growing corn, we could probably use a little help with our corn, because I don't have that experience. Uh, Gordon in North Mesa, good morning. Well, good morning. Uh, yeah, I've got a question about everybody's favorite, the uh, Meyer lemon tree. Uh, ours has been a great producer over the years, and uh, last year had just covered with blossoms, and of course, none of them set on this year, so there's not a single lemon on it. And just wondering, is there just stand by and wait for next year, or is there something I can do in the interim uh, when it blossoms to uh, have them set on? Well, Gordon, I think it's just being consistent on the water and fertilizer, you know, and we've we've got a grove with 15,000 of them growing. And uh, and we've had, you know, differences in crops from year to year. Of course, we have enough trees that we never seem to have a shortage of Meyer lemons. But, you know, this year's crop does seem to be lighter. But we call that first bloom like the popcorn bloom, you know, and it came out later this year because of our cooler weather. And um, I think the most important thing you can do when they're in bloom is just being consistent with your watering and fertilizer, uh, you know, not give it, you know, too much water and, and not too much fertilizer at that time either. But it is, you know, typically the time when we are feeding. So okay. well, I, I, you you know, right. I haven't had any real special, you know, other than this year, I, I do. I know we have a lighter crop and, uh, you know, okay, it's different well. on different sides of the tree, too. Okay, well, it sure looked like a popcorn bloom because man, it was covered. <laughs> oh, no, they do, you know, and uh, but you know, with with lemons and especially Meyer lemons, they'll usually bloom again, you know. So normally you'll get a couple different bloom cycles, and like last year we had a bloom cycle in January because it was so warm, and then they came back and bloomed again, you know, pretty much the first of March or so. But this year we didn't get that January bloom because of our weather; it was kind of cooler and wetter. Yeah, we had our fingers crossed that we do it. A second bloom, but nothing happens. So yeah. we'll wait till next year. And uh, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you another thing. I've seen them do though too, Gordon. If it gets really hot, if we get some of that 118, 19 degree weather, they might bloom again in August. Oh, so you might you, <laughs> okay. you might not be you might not be finished for the year. I, I've certainly seen uh, the Myers produce uh, you know a secondary set of bloom in the summertime too. Yeah, we'd love to have some more lemons. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for your help. We'll have we'll have them in all the stores around town, Gordon. And ours ours are all organic. <laughs> yep, ours are ours aren't, but uh, they're still good. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't thank make much difference help. in their flavor, Gordon. Thank you. Bye bye. Uh, Frank up in Camp Verde. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Brian. Happy Fourth of July to you. To you as well. My question is: I have an apricot tree. I've been on this property for four years now. And it's only produced one time, and the apricots were really large in size and delicious, and they have not produced again. And I was told that uh, because of the freeze, I covered them this year, and it didn't seem to happen. And also they told me that I should flood it before the freeze comes, 
mm-hmm. to protect the roots. Is that correct? Well, the, you know, it all comes with the amount of frost hours that we have. Okay, and if we have okay. a, a fruit tree that blooms out too early, okay, so it has a bloom that sets the blooms early, and then we have a follow-up freeze, uh, you would have to really protect the whole tree from frost. So the way okay. to do that would be to uh, put a frost cloth over it and and flood irrigate it. You know, if, if you Very have good. flood irrigation, so that'll give you probably enough heat to protect it. And if you just have one or two trees and you can get a light bulb in there, if you put a piece of frost cloth over it with a light bulb in it, uh, that'll give you probably up to 10 degrees protection. So it'll give you quite a lot of protection. But, you know, that that's what happens to stone fruits in higher country is that, especially when we have the low chill varieties there, they bloom too early and then we'll have a frost, you know, later on. It'll come knock it off. And this year, we, we definitely had some cooler weather late. Very good. Thank you very much. I appreciate your info on that. Thanks, Frank. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got uh, Kevin in Northeast Mesa. And after Kevin, we're wide open. The number to call 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Hi, Kevin. Hi. Hey, Brian. I was lucky enough to get a bougie planted in the backyard last October. It's a dual stock. It's about almost two feet tall. And the stocks are about uh, four inches wide. As you know, they're going dormant right now this time of year. But unfortunately, on the west side, one of the stocks is getting a little yellow. Would it be a good idea to put up one of those shade screens just on that west side? You know, it certainly wouldn't hurt it. You know, bushes grow up a lot like the saguaros do in the desert here, where they grow up yeah. with like a host tree, you know, and they'll have a tree usually that they'll grow up through. Yeah. And then the trees die out. And it's amazing when you go up, uh, you know, between here and Pace and now look after the fires, all the saguaros left, you know, and all the desert trees that died out. But uh, right. it, it would certainly benefit it if it had something to the west side of it to shade it some. Whether you want okay, to do sure. that with a tree or a shrub uh, would be a good thing. And, um, you know, in monsoon well, season, it's coming, so they'll start to grow again. Yeah, could I just temporarily put in, like, one of those shade screens that they buy Absolutely. and then take it off? Absolutely, yeah. You could, you could just put up a shade screen to the west side of it, and, yeah. and that would be fine. How do you water it, Kevin? That's the thing. I'm only watering it once a week. And no drip or anything. I'm just putting the hose on it and getting it all around. Okay. Would it help just to mist it down this time no, of year? No, no. Really, you, you don't want to mist it because our water is kind of salty. Really, a good deep flooding soaking once a week is ideal for it. Okay. That's exactly what I'm doing. Okay. Thank you so much, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. Have a nice fourth. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs> Well, that leaves us with wide open phones again, folks. The number to call is 602-277-5827. You know, I was finishing up with another caller with talking about a lawn issue uh, during the break. And uh, something I wanted to mention because I had a call on it yesterday and also right at the end of the program that didn't get on the air. But if you're noticing a lot of birds in your yard this time of year, especially if they're the early birds and they're out there you know, right at daybreak every morning, what they are is they're the early birds that are getting the worm. And the worm they're getting is called a sod webworm. And basically, if you see some moss flying around your house, kind of a little white moth, and you notice a lot of birds in your yard, you probably have these worms that come out at night feeding on your lawn. The birds show up, and they're our friends. The birds are the ones who you know, really get up in the morning and thin them out. So you don't want to you don't want to bother the birds. And the way not to bother the birds and kill the worms is to spray the lawn with BT, Bacillus thungensis, which is a bacteria which is toxic to the caterpillars that are feeding on it. 
but not toxic to the birds. So it's a really safe way to treat it. And what you want to do is you want to give it a good irrigation so you're not going to water for another week. And then go ahead and spray your whole lawn with BT, which is a very safe organic method for killing these caterpillars. And you'll knock their population way down. Or you can just let the birds do their job. Uh, Next up, we've got Craig in Queen Creek. Good morning, Craig. Morning. Morning, sir. Uh, I've got two guava bushes. They're loaded with fruit. Do I need to give them some extra water through the summer? Well, how old are they? Once a week. How old Uh, are they, Craig? Two years. Two years. As long as you get a good deep, you know, deep soaking once a week should be fine. Depends on how heavy your soil is. Um, if, if, If they're looking droopy in the morning, then water them again. If they're droopy in the afternoon, it's just hot. But if they're droopy in the morning, that's a good sign that they might want some more water. Okay. And if you'd water them twice Thank a you. week, it's not going to hurt anything. Okay. I might do that, too. All Thank right. you. Have a nice weekend, Craig. Bye-bye. Uh, Jeff in Phoenix. Good morning, Jeff. Hey there, Brian. Good morning. How are you? Oh, enjoying the day. It's pretty. It's really pretty yeah. sitting here with the air conditioning, looking at the mountains and sunny slope. <laughs> well, actually, my EVAP is working phenomenal in my house. Oh, even yeah. when it, yeah, even yesterday, it well, was no. only seventy-eight in the house. Oh yeah, with this EVAP. But anyway, this humidity they work fan. You know, humidity they work fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, I went and mowed the lawn this morning, and I keep noticing that my Bermuda is having a hard time living, and I'm trying to understand. What's actually the best way to deal with my Bermuda grass this time of the year? Well, have you have you seen those birds on your lawn in the morning? Uh, no, actually, there are no birds in my yard. Okay, I have nice. dogs, so they keep the birds away. <laughs> well, you, you might check for those sod webworms when you check for those because they're real prolific this time of year. And what you would do is go out at night with a flashlight and see yeah. if you see any little caterpillars in your lawn. And uh, that that was ones I was just talking about a minute ago. But the little caterpillars are real prevalent this time of year, and they feed on the Bermuda grass. So they can really curtail it from growing quite a bit and can do a fair bit of damage. And if the dogs are going to chase the birds away, then you might want to spray yours with that BT, Bacillus thingensis. Aside from that, you know, it's a good time to fertilize. And just a regular 21-7-14 lawn fertilizer is the easiest way um, and do, does a good job. Or you could use melargonite, which you could put on once and it'll last a lot longer, work a little slower. Uh, it's an organic fertilizer come, made from human waste in Wisconsin that uh, actually works really well. And it's, huh. and it's a good way to build up your soil, too. Oh, okay. I was just trying to understand uh, how this is not uh, making it the way, you know, I water, I, you know, I've set the timers multiple different ways and it seems like water doesn't seem to have any effect on it. Well, the real the real watering key is to put on an inch of water at a time when it's this hot. Yeah. And the, and then let it dry out. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I got I put in the high efficiency uh, sprinkler heads and stuff too. You know, try to cut back on water usage. Those, those usually are really detrimental, Jeff. Those uh, are. Huh? Yeah. What oh. happens is they don't put water out fast enough. You know, I got in this debate on the airplane after a water conference in Los Angeles with some guys from the East Coast, and they were, yeah. t- they, were they were telling me about all their engineering and how they built these heads to put water on, you know, slower so it's more efficient. And I was with a real good friend of mine down in the sand dunes who uh, always had a wonderful lawn, and he was showing me his new heads. I said, oh, let's come on here, Ron. Let's just walk around. Let's go look at this, how these heads work. And we walked out there, and those sprinkler heads would spray on us, but by the time they came around again with the finger, we were already dry. 
So, wow. so what is considered a high efficiency head is really a terribly low efficiency head. So because we're going to increase our salts and we're going to increase, you know, basically our loss to evaporation. So when we water, we want to put water on as fast as we can, as fast as the ground will absorb it. Okay. So I would, yeah. I, I would take those heads off and put on some old heads that put out a lot of water fast, put a capturing device like a tuna fish can or a coffee cup, run it long enough if it's pretty flat so it'll take an inch at one time. If it's too, too sloped, then run it two or three cycles the same day till you can get that inch on there. And that's, that's going to push the salts down in your soil. So your lawn's not going to compete with the salts, which really hurt it. And those, yeah. those little inefficient heads that don't put enough water on, uh, just throw them away. Huh. Well, that's uh, something I hadn't thought, but uh, yeah, it kind of makes sense now. I guess when I think about it. Well, yeah, go, water is go, go, an issue. Go stand out there. With, go stand out there in the lawn when those heads are running. You, you'll never get wet. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. That's why the dogs like it out in the front yard when the sprinklers are on. Oh yeah, it's just fun, you know. But, <laughs> but the, the sprinklers won't be on as long, you know. But the, but they'll they'll have a chance to get a lot wetter. Uh, well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a wonderful holiday. You too, Jeff. Bye bye. Uh, Ralph, and no, uh, we got to take a short break first. Uh, <laughs> see, I, I'm going to take the break there, Sharon. We'll be right back after a short break with the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, we have one line available. Number to call, 602-277-5827. Well, it's 110 in Gila Bend. In Buckeye, it's 102. Summer's here, and I just can't find a way to stop loving so I drink cold beer and I turn on the fan. There's really nothing I can do. You've been gone about three months too long and I can't stop loving you. Each stroke, I'm paralyzed. I'm feeling pain, I just can't stand. Each stroke, I realize you find yourself another man. It's 110 in a heel of In Baca, it's 102. Here and I just can't find a way to stop loving you. Well, that's heat struggle for you. <laughs> now, we had someone request that song a week or two ago, and we could not play that song at 105. No, we had to wait for it to be 113. Anyway, welcome back to the Woodfield Street Garden Show. We'll get right back to the phones. Uh, Ralph in North Mesa, good morning. Hello, Ralph. Hi, Brian. I I just I have I need some uh, help on. I want to plant a few trees that are not real common, like citrus. Okay. But I don't. Uh, where do I get some instructions on what will grow and produce? Well, that's what that's what I've been doing for a living, Ralph, since I started with my grandfather back when I was five. <laughs> so I, I started off running the orange stand on Glendale Avenue, and uh, our main part of the nursery business back then was was growing citrus trees, and we grow a lot of citrus trees today. Um, there's a lot of real good varieties here. Um, there's difference in speed in how they grow. So trees like lemons and and Red grapefruit and tangelos that we can grow on a lemon rootstock, those are going to grow pretty fast. And things uh, like caracara uh, or navel orange and some of the orange varieties we can't grow on that rootstock. We grow it on a sour orange rootstock, so it takes longer to make a tree. But, you know, well, what's, what's, uh, what about uh, not citrus, but some kind of trees that are less common, like mango or aguave and 
stuff like that. Well, we have nice guavas, uh, mangoes. We, we've got some, and we're going to work on getting a lot more. In fact, um, that's going to be one of our things here is we're going to probably start growing our own mangoes here now. There are a couple of nice mango orchards over in uh, the valley over in, in um, well Coachella. And there's some really nice. Do you things. happen to have a pamphlet or anything with instructions on uh, on what it's available and when? Well, I, I wanted you. to get you guys to plant them. Well, other, but other, I don't know other, when is the best time. Other than citrus, Ralph, with most of the tropicals and things, I wouldn't plant anything until maybe the first of September. Okay, we want to we want to let the real hot heat get away from it first, uh, because those plants aren't going to take the heat like a citrus would. So you know, and then stone fruits. If you want to plant peaches, plums, apples, nectarines, those kind of things, you want to plant all those in October. And we've got a big crop of that stuff coming on for this fall that we're growing all different kinds of varieties. But you know, it's just not a good time to plant those now. So when I. Uh have you guys plant them? Will they give me instructions on watering? Oh, absolutely, Ralph. You know, um, if you come by and see us at our Gilbert Nursery, which would be the closest one to Mesa, uh, we have a great staff in there, Gabriel and Jennifer and the whole crew, and uh, they're very knowledgeable. And uh, But like I say, I wouldn't, you know, other than citrus, I wouldn't plant most of the other fruit varieties right now unless you're going to shade them. You know, even like guavas and things. We have nice guavas and we have loquats and some other, other varieties, but, you know, it's just not a good time to plant them right now. Well, good, good. I'll, I'll be out there then. Yeah, come out and see us. And, uh, yeah, the, the best time, though, is really starting in September. Okay, I'll be by. Thanks, Thank Ralph. you. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Yeah, you have a good fourth, too. Bye-bye. Uh, Bob and Scottsdale. Good morning, Bob. Hey, good morning, Brian. Great show as always. Quick question. I want to do some pruning. I don't usually prune this time of the year, but my oleanders, my Mexican, Paradise, my Cape honeysuckles are growing very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, any challenge in pruning them at this time of the year? Well, I, I don't think I would prune the the Cape honeysuckles now. If you do just a little okay. bit of moderate pruning, not any major whacking where it's going to expose the wood to the sun. The oleanders and the bird of paradise you can't hurt. Okay, you know you All can right. you can prune That's those back I- as much as you want, but that Cape honeysuckle I wouldn't prune it hard this time of year. Okay, maybe wait till September, October. Yeah, September. You know, if even if we had a good monsoon going, and you see you've got a period, you know, of about ten days where it's going to be a hundred or less, you know, th- then you could prune it then. But until it's going to be like that, we have some more humidity. I wouldn't prune the Cape honeysuckle. Awesome. Hey, Brian, have a great fourth. Thanks for your show. Very good. Thanks, Bob. Bye, bye. Uh, Mike and Mesa. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Brian. Nice talk to you this morning. I, I had a question earlier about your Cape honeysuckles question. Uh-huh. I happen to have a row of hedgerow of Cape honeysuckles that are 20 years old, and they're planted on the north side of the house where they don't get as much sun. And then I've got yellow bells on the south side of the house where they get a ton of sun. And I was always under the impression that the more yellow, like sparklets, sparky, bells of fire, and then Cape honeysuckles get less sun, and the more yellow get more sun. Well, is that true? Yeah, but those two plants aren't. Cape honeysuckles not related to the one's a Tacoma, 
and one's Tecumaria. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Cape honeysuckles aren't related to the Tacoma stands. So the Tacoma stands are all the yellow bells, all those different varieties, orange jubilees, and all those. Those are all Tacoma stands, and all those those varieties vary a lot, and they've been hybridized predominantly here in Arizona, and. Uh, you know, and there's a lot of difference in character, how large they grow in different things. But as far as the sun, they're they're mostly going to take full sun pretty well. Cape honeysuckles mm-hmm. uh, will take full sun well when they're established. But if you plant wow. them, except for like on the west side of a wall, they won't take the reflected heat where Tacoma stands will. So that's why my Cape honeysuckles on the north side, 20-year-old hedgerow are doing fantastic mm-hmm. in the more shade. And, and they'll grow fine in the shade. You know, they won't okay. bloom as well, but what happens yeah, is that then, then they get the sun in the summertime. So like right now, if you don't have much of an overhang, they're getting full sun and, uh, and they'll take it, you know, because they're established. Yep. Okay. Two different kinds of plants, even though they both got that trumpet flower, right. I thought they were all, I thought they went from yellow to, uh, orange with. You know, well, no, and, 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 and see, even with, even with the Cape honeysuckles, the Tecumarias, there are uh, kind of there's one we call kind of mango, which is a real pretty colored one that, um, okay. that we found in Florida that we bring in. But that that's a pretty Cape honeysuckle. But that's Cape honeysuckles and Tacoma stands are completely different plants. Got it. All right then. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for your help. Bye bye. Bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have that's right, Chris in Sun City. Hello, Chris. Yeah, hey, great show. I love the show. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Thanks for having me. I've got uh, – we're very blessed. We've got a, a nice row of laurel ficus columns growing alongside of our swimming pool. And one of my trees has, has taken a root and it's gone diagonal under my cool deck and gone to where I have my, uh, my pipes for my pool, and I've got uh, pavers there. And it's beginning to heave up my pavers. So what I've done is I've located the root on the tree side, and I managed to cut it at where it, you know, enters under the cool deck. And I pulled up my pavers on the on the, the where my pool pipes are, and the heaving is occurring. And I found the other end of the the other end of the root. But I mean, I I've got about probably ten foot of root underground that I got to deal with. What do you guys recommend? I'll uh, I'll well, listen on mute. Well, Chris, you know, it, what it's going to do? It's going to break down and decay and go away anyway. So when you sever that root off of a ficus tree, that root's dead. So if you got the patience, Beautiful. you know, it'll, it'll basically go back down. And another pointer with those ficus trees, if you don't want them to be as aggressive on the roots, keep them pruned more on the top. You know, if you keep the top reduced, the roots don't expand. Got it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Chris. Have a nice weekend. Happy Fourth. Uh, Jorge and Gilbert. Good morning, Jorge. Good morning, Brian. How are you? I have, I have- Good, thank you. How are I, you? I, I know which Jorge this is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I have uh, I have an issue with my uh, one of my fig trees. Okay. Um, the last week I noticed uh, started losing leaves, and um, the the leaves start curling, curling, and then drop. Um, but there, there, there is quite a bit of leaves. It's uh, and. That tree's been on the ground for about six years. I have two of them. The other one is great. It's just uh, I don't understand what's happening with this one. Yeah, you know, Jorge, what you might want to do is you might want to dig up some of those roots and see if the roots look healthy. 
on that okay. fig tree. Okay. And if they're healthy white roots and the, you know, the roots look good, I wouldn't be too concerned. But what I would be kind of suspicious of is you might have a fungus under that tree and that might be okay. damaging the roots. And so the, you know, the tops, the, basically what happens, the roots are dying back and they can't take as much moisture. If you do find that problem, what I would treat it with is a product called Monterey disease control. Okay. And uh, it, that could work very well on it. And it's a time of year when fungus could start to show up with this heat. Um, how, what's your watering cycle on that tree? Every two weeks. Yeah. You know what? I, I'd give it some, I'd give it some extra water just in between, but first I would check those roots and, and make okay. sure it doesn't have a fungus because the water's not going to help if it has a fungus. If it has a fungus on it, you have to treat it. Okay, I will do that today. Thanks, Jorge. Have a nice before, fourth. Before it gets too hot. <laughs> yeah, better, better get on it early. It's going, it's going up, Jorge. Thank you. Thank you, Bye-bye. Brian. Have a good day. Bye. Uh, Mr. Troy Barrett has uh, entered the studio, folks. We're going to find out what's happening in the world. In the meantime, you're invited to call Shira at 602-277-5827 for the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We're all here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on 92.3 FM KTAR. When you talk about destruction, don't you know that you can count me out? All right, all right, all right. Happy birthday to the, you know, United States. Good day. Uh, let's see, we have one line available, number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTR. Dave in Fountain Hills, good morning. Good morning. Hey, got a question. I've got about three 35, 45-foot pine trees, and it's an old-growth property, 50 years, Um Systemic drenching once a year. What else do you think? I'm getting scared the older they get. I don't want to lose them. Well, just, you know, deep irrigations, you know, not, they don't have to be very frequent. Are you down by the lake, uh, Dave, or are you up no, on the hillside? I'm, I'm over the hill. I'm over the hill of the lake. Okay. What's your, what's your yeah. soil? Are you real rocky soil where you're at or not? Actually, there's a lot of red dirt. Okay. Um, well, yeah, there's the berries so a lot there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's that's all really good, you know, and, and the key is is just good deep irrigations, you know, at least once a month like, in the summertime. Once a month. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of what I've been doing. I just didn't know if there's anything else I could add to them that would help with their age, you know. Well, they, they like a little if you wanted to give them some chelated iron. Um, that's, that's pretty okay. good for them. You can spray it on them. You can inject it into them or you can put it in the soil and they'll take it up. And the chelated okay. iron is going to be a lot more available to them. And, you know, just in general, a little soil sulfur would never hurt. And you really don't need to feed them with much nitrogen. But pines do like organic nitrogen. So if you if you'd want to sometime be extra kind, if you want to feed them with some blood meal or some, uh, you know, blood meal is probably the most available highest nitrogen that you could get in the organic, and it works really right. well you on pines. Like once a year, also. Yeah, or? once a year, and probably the best time to apply that would be in February, just before they start to candle and grow in the spring. 
Okay. I also got a uh, couple of eucalyptus at mm-hmm. the end of the house that are like uh, 45 feet high. Okay. And I'm worried about, you know, them blowing really hard one drop one time and miss the neighbor's house. <laughs> and I top them at the top, you think? How's how's the foliage look on those on your eucalyptus? It looks great. After this year with all the rain we had, they came out so green. Everything looks great. Well, leached all the salts Actually, out. I mean, a lot, lot, a lot of big pluses this year. Um, but no, you know, pruning bark, and maintenance bark, on those eucalyptus is important. Okay, the bark seemed to turn a little bit more red this year. It had more color in the sun. I don't know. Yeah, probably just a little healthier. Question. Yes, sir. Yeah. I also had a, a, a huge um, Joshua tree plant, mm-hmm. biggest summer she said they ever seen in the valley, and I just didn't want to lose it. I made a mistake. I thought of uh, trimming suckers off, which were like 12 foot high, 6 foot high off the root system mm-hmm. to get the main trunk showing, um, never been trimmed. And then the next year it died, uh, started to fall. So I don't know if I did that by opening some of the root system under the ground and covering it and something got in there. But then up the street around the corner, another very old one like mine also died. It had a, had a black streak going through the bark as I was cutting it up. So I have a big hole there, and I'm wondering... You think it was a bug or just, I know they die eventually? Well, um, yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how long they live, but I would, I would guess that they live in the hundreds of years, you know? Oh, so geez, I, I, I don't, I don't think that it's going to die from old age like that. Um, had you yeah. been, had you been watering it, Dave? Um, sometimes when we were in really drought a few years ago, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago, but mm, these are really old growth, like I said, 50 some years. So thought they might be self-sustaining. I didn't want to overwater them. Yeah, you know, it, but did it did it start to fail two years ago when we had the August from hell where every day was 115? Kind of, I think so. Kind of after I trimmed it, though, is what the thing is, the next year. So I didn't know if it was related. But when the one up the, the street did it, I stopped and talked to the guy. Mm-hmm. And he had the same black streak going up the uh, bark system inside the trunk, whatever you call it, uh, the branches and everything. And well, it could have even been, Dave, to the point where it was sunburned. Hmm. You know, because if it had all those shoots coming out the side. Um, but probably a combination of that and the drought, you know, that drought was pretty awful. Um, yeah, that, you yeah. know, well, I remember they were talking about them dying in Joshua Tree State Park and all that because of the drought. So. Well, and, and the ones that died over here in Paradise Valley, you know, and uh, I'll tell you what else died a lot in Paradise Valley were the golden barrels that, that year because of the sun. You know, when we went through that, that one year where we had zero humidity and 115 every day for over a month, uh, there were a lot of barrel cactus that died, you know, right over, all around town here. The ones that people had in their yards yeah. that they'd never watered before, um, all of a sudden, you know, they figured out they weren't in, they weren't on the coast in California anymore. Those barrels were here now. And those Joshua trees, you know, with, in their range compared to some of the others, you know, they do get a lot more water. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, up there, up there where yeah, they grow I, north of Wickenburg, between there and Kingman, you know, that's that's it, a lot more rain than we do here in the valley. So you don't see a problem with maybe because uh, I got a big hole there. I've been chipping away at the trunks of planting another tree because it's it's a perfect position on the property to do that again. Well, you know what's more available if you like something like that, and want to start with a decent size ones. We have big yucca lattes. 
uh, which were just uh-huh. that that's another one like a Joshua tree, and it ranges all the way from Mexico to, to Canada. So it's a really tough mm-hmm. one. And then we have Yucca Thompsonianas too, which are nice and big like that, and are pretty. Okay, uh, I was thinking about your American mesquite. But, uh, well, if you want a shade tree, yeah. Well, the American mesquite's actually a four-way cross. It's a cross between an Arizona native, a Texas, an Argentinian, and a Chilean. And uh, right. you know, with the, the genetics it has, it's a very hardy tree. And if you want a big tree, it is, for as far as mesquites go, it's one of the faster growing, makes a bigger tree than most mesquites. That's what I'm thinking, because I had such a nice big black canopy there. It'd be nice to have it back, so to speak. Well, and you could do that pretty quick with an American mesquite. And it's, you know, it's hardy. And what's really nice about that one is it's very wind hardy. The structure and the limbs, that's kind of why we kept it and patented it, is because the limb structure is so sturdy. And then we graft them onto an Argentinian rootstock so that it's got a big taproot, too. Yeah, I've been listening. That sounds pretty good. Okay, I well, thank you for the information. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, let's see. Next, we have Buddy in Scottsdale. Hi, Buddy. Hey, good morning, and thanks for taking my call. Uh, got a question. It's indoor plants. So uh, we're noticing gnats or fruit flies, and we've got a little kind of fan with an ultraviolet light that draws them in, and we're doing a good job of catching them. But we've got indoor plants, and we're wondering – what we do, uh, you know, we don't know what the culprit is. Where they're well, basically, from. they're they're nesting in the soil. So if you just take your plants outdoors in the evening, and drench the soil and all your plants, and you could drench it with malathion or spinosad, and you should be able to find those at you know any hardware store, drugstore, whatever. Um, but uh, just dr- just take them all to the patio and drench all the soil, okay, and then bring them back in, and you'll eliminate the problem. When you say drench, you mean like. With water, just yeah, but just mix, mix, it, mix it in like a watering can. Yeah, you know, and just water them so that it goes all the way through the soil. Mm-hmm. Let <laughs> let it, let it run out. Let it run out. Yeah. Okay. And and some of the pots she has doesn't have drainage. Could that be part of the problem? Well, you, it, when you take them outside, if you just take a drill and drill a hole through the bottom so you had a drain, it, it's it's okay. hard to maintain you know plants and without having a drain hole. But if you're if you've been yeah. successful doing it, buddy, somebody's paying a lot of attention and doing a very good job to do that. So as long as you could get enough chemical just in the top inch or so, and the nice part, especially about malathion, it's got a very short half life, so that it's only going to be toxic for a couple hours. So you could spray that on there outside, just just cover the whole top of the soil. But uh, and, what's it, and I apologize. What what's it called? Malathion. Malathion. Okay. Thion. Yeah, okay. malathion or spinosad. Okay. okay, and I guess Home Depot, any place. Yeah, like any that place should have it. Have it. They'll, they'll have for sure okay. one of the two. Thank you so much. Thanks, we appreciate buddy. it and enjoy listening to your show. Thank you. Have a nice fourth. Bye bye. Uh, Ralph and Mesa. Hello, Ralph. Hi, Brian. How you doing? Good. Excellent. I want to ask you a question about pre-emergent. Mm-hmm. When's a good time to put it on? I got most of the weeds gone around, around my place. I want to put that on before the rains. Well, you could you could put one more application in now if you think you have a lot of spurge and you know, summer seeds in there. So that would be good for the summer seeds. Now, when we normally do it is September and January. 
because then we catch the winter weeds and the spring weeds. But if you've had a lot of spurge and things in there before, you could go ahead and put it on now or just ahead of the monsoon. And actually, it takes about a half inch of water to really activate it. So if you could just catch right before the first monsoon, uh, should be very efficient for you. Okay, that's uh, that's good. And uh, how long does it last? You have to do it twice a year, three times a year. Yeah, and but after you kind of get set up and you you know you knock the cycle of the weeds out, then you're not going to have near as much problem. But normally, like I say, our normal applications are September and January. Okay, and I have one other question about a sissue tree. Mm-hmm. You um you uh, you told me one time I can let it go now. It's about a twelve inch stalk, and I'm I'm just going to let it grow. But I've cut the water off to it a little bit. Is that okay? That's fine. You know, and the thing with the sissy tree, if you don't want to have problems with a lot of surface roots, is to water them very infrequently. Okay, once they're big and established like yours is, you know, if it's watered once a month in the summertime, it'll stay healthy and it won't have all those surface roots. You know, if you had a lawn sprinkler out there with a bunch of drips or something that were running frequently, you'd have a lot of surface roots and more problems. So if you want to keep it. Yeah, you know, I don't have any any surface roots at all. It's It's a monster. Well, <laughs> then you're watering correctly, Ralph. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's, I've had it about seven years now, and I mean, it's uh, it's unbelievable. It's a little bit messy, but it sure does throw the shade. Oh, they do. Okay, well, thank you very much for the information. Oh, where do you, where can you pick can you pick this pre-emergent up? Do you have it at your shop? Yeah, there? We, we have it. Our, you know, you, we can buy it from our nursery, or, or most any nursery is going to have it, and and so will a lot of the home stores. And there's um. Uh, Bug and Weed Mart's out there in the East Valley, too. Bug and Weed Mart's pretty good. They have some really good staff in there that could be very knowledgeable and help you with it as well. Is that sprayed on, or do you put it on with a with a spreader? There's both varieties. You can put a granular or a liquid. What What do you recommend? Whatever's easier for you, but it, either way, however you apply it, you got to make sure you put that half inch of water on to activate it or have a nice rain. Okay, sounds good. Thanks Thank you very much. Have a great Fourth uh, of July. Bye. You too. Bye bye. Well, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with John and Larry. But if you'd like to be up after Larry, all you have to do is give us Sarah Shira a call at 602-277-5827. That's 277-KTAR for the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 9 a.m. on 92.3 FM KTAR. Yeah. 
rendition and uh what a good thought you know mercy more than life and uh that's what being americans are really about and what we're really about at whitfield nursery is growing trees and uh we've been doing it since my grandparents started back in the 40s and continue now for four generations if you need trees any kind any size come out and see us you know we sponsor the program here and uh, i have an awful lot of fun being the host and we certainly appreciate enjoy your business and your calls and your patronage and uh Original stores at 824 East Glendale or in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 2640 East Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue straight south to Sky Harbor Airport. Go jobs too big, none's too small. We grow thousands of trees on hundreds of acres right here in Arizona. And uh, hopefully they cool and beautify and give us good crops and food to eat for uh, our environment here in the state of Arizona. Have two lines available. Number to call 602-277-5827. Just a reminder that we will be closed on the the 4th of July to celebrate with our families. Hope you can with yours. And uh, Larry and Mesa, good morning. Yeah, hello. I've got a palm tree stump. Uh, it's about two feet in diameter and about three feet tall. And then it flares out to probably over three feet at the bottom. And I cut the damn palm tree off 12 years ago and the stump's still there. <laughs> well, I've seen palapas that were built down in Mexico with palm tree trunks, different variety than what you probably had. You probably had a California fan or date. And, uh, they build buildings out of them. You know, probably the best way to get rid of it, Larry, is to probably just have somebody grind it out for you. You know, they can come in with a stump grinder and grind it down. Uh, okay, I have seen that. Uh, so I, there's, I probably can't burn it out. Well, you could probably burn it out even with some acid. You know, and moisture and then bacteria uh, will, will rot it out, too. You know, if you, if you kept it pretty wet, you know, it, it would it would rot a lot faster. So if I so if I run a drip emitter over there, and every time I water, I water the palm, center of the palm tree, it'll go away. Yeah, eventually, if it hasn't bothered you for this long, you don't have to kill it right away. And I'll tell you what, if you wanted to get some drain cleaner, like some sulfuric acid, and and pour on a couple gallons of that, that'll eat down through it a lot faster. Oh, geez, I guess I guess I have a gallon of that sitting in the closet. So <laughs> give her a try. <laughs> I, I pruned back my uh, my orange bell, and uh, I thought it was pretty big. And I finally figured out that I was dealing with two separate plants. There, there's a space in between them. Is there in any way I can get rid of just one of them? Just cut it off. If I cut it off, will it quit growing, or will it keep well, growing from the? It would be good if you'd cut it off and use like a brush killer on it, or like uh, just even Roundup. If you could 
you know, get the one plant separated so that you weren't going to get any spray on it and spray it with glyphosate or Roundup, that'll kill it. So, so these roots aren't connected underneath? Well, even if they were, no, they're probably not. You probably have two separate plants. Was it? Did you plant one or did you plant two? Uh, they, they were established when I moved in 15 years ago. Yeah, they're probably just two two separate plants. You know, there's just there's enough space I can see light through mm-hmm. if I get at the right angle, and then they grow together. You know, six inches above the ground, and it's just uh, it grows way more than what I need. So, okay, I'll give that a shot. All right, Larry, have a nice fourth. Okay, thank you. Bye bye, uh, John in Phoenix. Good morning, John. Good morning. Hey, listening to Ray Charles, I thought back to uh, the World Series with the Diamondbacks and the Yankees. I I can't remember if he sang America or the National Anthem, but I'm old. (laughs) Well, Ray Charles is an awfully talented person, and uh, I think that rendition is by far my favorite ever. Well, it's great, and the producers... How do you get away with playing all that music? This is great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, that's, and I appreciate your patience with us, but I'm going to have to take you off the off the yeah, energy, John, because we're out of okay. time. But um, and that's why we play more music, a little more of the songs. I, you know, I'm sitting here listening to Ray Charles. I can't cut Ray Charles. <laughs> hey, have a nice fourth. I'll pick you back up in again just a second, okay? Yes, sir. Thanks. And I'll take the other calls off here. Appreciate the calls today, folks. Hope you enjoyed the program, and uh, you know. Not much can be said more than that song. And, uh, you know, mercy more than life, how we, how we, you know, could give up our own life and how people have for generations here. And not the fact that this country hasn't made mistakes, you know, but the only way we learn is by our mistakes. You know, women couldn't vote here for the first 200 years, you know, and, and uh, we had people that we kept as slaves for 150, almost 100 years. Anyway, 60 years, but the way people are treated even today is not very good. And we have the natives here who we took their land and took their assets. And, you know, sometimes they didn't reward them at all. We just took it. So we've made a lot of mistakes, but, you know, that's through our mistakes that we learned to be successful and not make them again. So let's move on and be Americans. Happy 4th.